Hello there. Welcome to Series 4 of Satisfied. The Series 4 podcasts relate to the profiles of Perseverance Bible study. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. We've been learning about perseverance from the life of Joseph. We saw how he experienced rejection and loss and lots of waiting, but still functioned well because he recognized that God was with him through all of that too. In today's podcast, we begin to look at the life of David from Lesson 5 of Profiles of Perseverance. David is probably one of the most famous Old Testament characters. At an early age, David knew and loved God. God also loved David. The Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. Like Joseph, he responded to whatever he had learned from his father and other mentors. As a young teenager, he was anointed to be God's chosen king. But from his anointing to his crowning took 14 years of waiting and praying and hiding and testing. But before he faced his first challenge as future king, David had already made the pre-decision to worship and glorify God with his words and his life. I think the one word that jumps out at me to describe David is loyalty. David was loyal to God. Loyalty is the quality of devotion or attachment to somebody or something. It's both a feeling and an action. Some of us by nature tend to be loyal. Others of us are more skeptical, maybe preferring to be mavericks out on our own. Loyalty is being tested every day in homes and businesses and human relationships across this planet. Who demands your loyalty? Who has the right to it? Do they receive it from you? And how good are you at remaining loyal? You see, loyalty affects how you approach life. And for every believer who calls herself a Christian, Jesus deserves your loyalty. The moment you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get a new life fused together with His and a new identity. You are now said to be in Christ, a child of God, one of God's saints, totally accepted and loved by Him. This new identity is something you can never lose. You are also set free to live a radically different kind of life. And in that freedom, you have a choice. Who are you going to serve with your life now? You're going to serve God or are you going to serve yourself? That choice was ever before David as well. In his life and his words, he communicated to God, I am your man forever. Years ago, I made that choice too. When I said to Jesus, I am your woman forever. I serve you. But how do we do that with all the distractions around us? By that, I don't mean our families or our jobs. Serving them well is serving Jesus loyally. I mean, all the other ways of approaching life. Think about some of those. Leaning on astrology or on psychics. Gaining power through money self-promotion, and self-will. The right to pleasure yourself, 
in any way, claiming no absolute truth. So you choose what works for you. And then our American rights of equality, where I live. All of those voices are calling out to us in our culture. How do we remain loyal to Jesus as our master and his way of approaching life? I see two qualities in David's life that reveal how you and I can loyally serve Jesus through humility and obedience. Loyalty requires humility and humility leads to obedience. Both of those offer a reward. Let's first look at why loyalty requires humility. That word humility has intrigued me for some time now. I know it's the opposite of pride, but what does it really mean? In the New Testament, it means lowliness of mind. Humility is how you think of yourself. It's not referring to feeling low or down or depressed, okay? The New Testament word humility pictures a servant bowing before her master. The Greeks did not desire or reward humility, so it was a rare word in that culture. The New Testament writers took that word humility and elevated it because it is so totally associated with Jesus and being with him. Jesus' invitation to us in Matthew chapter 11 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I love that. Jesus puts two words together here to describe himself, gentle and humble. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul puts these same two words together to describe how we are to live. Listen to him. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. I see a key to understanding humility in that word gentle. Gentleness in the Bible carries the idea of strength under control. Jesus had the infinite resources of God at his command, yet he chose not to use them to his advantage. When you hold a newborn baby, you have the strength to crush that child, but you choose not to do so. Your strength is under control. You could verbally slash someone to pieces when you get angry, but you choose not to do so. That's strength under control. So biblical gentleness, that strength under control, is a work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. And it's the outworking of humility. Humility is a decision you make in your mind. You choose humility before God, by recognizing his authority over you. Joseph did that. You know that you've made that decision when you are willing to trust in God's goodness and accept his dealings with you as good without fighting him on it. Then that choice is reflected in your gentle behavior towards others. Humility is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. 
A poor me attitude is occupied with self. I'm a victim. I'm worthless. It's God's fault I'm like this. That's not humility. Humility is not occupied with self at all. Humility is not renouncing that you can do some things well. It is recognizing that you do those things well because God gave you the genetics, the intelligence, the opportunity to do so. And you give him the credit for it. In order to serve Jesus Christ loyally, we must do it with humility, declaring, I am your woman, Lord Jesus. How may I serve you today? Loyalty requires humility and humility leads to obedience. What good is a servant who refuses to obey or who is out there trumpeting herself in her own will and occasionally remembering to do what Jesus wants? I heard Bible teacher Chip Ingram say this about obedience. God would rather I have understanding of two verses that I obey immediately than 20 verses that I don't. Obedience is the key to discernment. It's not capture and remember. It's hear and obey. What do you think about that? Do you agree? I've often wondered what would happen in our small groups if we studied the same passage over and over until we all got it and applied it, then moved on. You see, we can have this desire for knowledge about the Bible, and that's a good thing but it's obedience to God's will for us revealed in His Word that grows us to maturity. And we can know God's will on a great many things. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says God's will is that we live a life worthy of our calling. And He clearly shows us what it looks like in chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians, plus many other places. Ephesians 4 verse 2 tells us to start doing this with all humility and gentleness. Humility before God means I've already got that settled in my mind. Now I can obey Him in the rest of what He desires for my life to please Him. What are some hindrances to our obedience? One is a lack of understanding of God's commands. A friend shared with me how her husband used to think all God's commands to us were so he could keep us under his thumb. Then he became a father. He has come to realize those biblical commands and guidelines are boundaries for us to be able to enjoy a satisfying and abundant life. Boundaries set for his children are for their protection and good. This father now understands God's boundaries for him better. Another hindrance is selectively choosing what we will obey. That leads us to being what the Bible describes as weak-willed women, always learning but never able to recognize truth for what it really is. I see weak-willed as meaning undisciplined, like a child's behavior, especially one who wants everything, even stuff that the parent says is not good, and so refuses to trust the parent and obey. They are really weak-willed to do the right thing. For women, this would be choosing to take your own way for approaching life in spite of instruction or warnings that it will be destructive. What's missing here? Humility. 
It's like declaring, I'm part Jesus's woman because I'm saved and going to heaven when I die, but the rest of me is my own. Not getting the ugliness of our sin also hinders obedience. What happened to Jesus before and during his crucifixion is a picture of the ugliness of sin that he took upon himself on that cross. Has anything in recent headlines just made you sick? Anytime you choose not to obey God's word on some issue, lying, envy, complaining, immorality, it's as ugly in God's sight as that heinous crime. Do you believe your lack of respect for your spouse if you're married is as ugly as that worst thing? Or your cruel words when angry just as ugly? Or your constant worry just as ugly? Or your constant complaining and nagging just as ugly? Maybe they don't have the same consequences, but they're just as ugly. Obedience is necessary to remain loyal to Jesus and not get carried away by sin and all those other ways of approaching life. Humility is the decision I've already made in my mind that I am not God, that Jesus is my master, and I serve him by considering others as more important than myself. I urge you to make that same decision. To be loyal to Jesus as our master our lives must be characterized by humility and obedience. The rewards of being loyal to Jesus are immense and incomparable to anything the world can offer you. One of those rewards is protection. Obedience offers protection. Paul's final words to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 reveal how obedience is necessary to protect yourself from those who distort the truth and draw you away from Jesus and his way of approaching life. Paul warns his friends about what would surely happen to distract them from their loyalty to Jesus alone with these words. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Visualize what Paul is saying. Savage wolves will attack from outside or from within the flock itself, dressed in sheep's clothing. Jesus said those very same words in Matthew. When you have humbled yourself before Jesus as your master and chosen to obey his commands revealed to you in the Bible, you will be able to recognize truth from error, from anything that is distorted. But when you resist the discipline that comes from obedience, you are vulnerable to embracing whatever new heresy comes along as a fad and you cannot recognize the truth when you see it. Distorted truth takes many forms and requires a lot more time to explore than we have here. My series three podcasts cover common examples of distorted truth in our culture. I can say this though, beware of anything that promotes disobedience to God's commands and robs you from the joy and benefits of loyalty to Jesus. Loyalty affects how you approach life. 
Jesus's way are all those other options out there that offer nothing lasting. Jesus as Lord deserves our loyalty, your loyalty. Loyalty requires humility. Humility leads to obedience. And obedience offers protection from being sucked into every new fad that comes along. Have you already made that decision to say, Lord Jesus, I am your woman every day? If not, will you do that today? Loyalty to Jesus is essential to perseverance. Joseph and David both understood that truth. As the Bible promises in Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. We can have hope because we have God with us. So remember our lane markers for our race. Choose to persevere through every challenge. Count on God's promise to give you hope. Let that hope sustain you through the rough and tumble of life and celebrate the joyful reward. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with hope as you persevere through everyday life. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 4 of Satisfied.